and welcome to series two of our Practically Speaking podcast series. I'm Rachel Graham, I'm a transactional partner based in Harney's London office and I'm joined again by Amy Roost, Client Services Director for Harney's Fiduciary. This season we thought we'd do something a little bit different. We thought that we might work our way through the life cycle of a BVI company, touching on different areas and different aspects that we think you might find interesting. Today, we're going to focus on directors of BVI companies and some of the questions and answers that people might be considering if they are contemplating becoming a director of a BVI company. So, Amy, why are directors so important for BVI companies? Well, the company isn't properly constituted without a director. They're the decision makers. They hold the power, essentially. They are in charge of the day-to-day management of the entity. And there are a raft of obligations upon them as directors of a BVI company. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's worth noting that one of the reasons why BVI companies are incredibly popular is because the majority of the decision-making powers of a BVI company actually rest with the board of directors. There isn't always an obligation to seek shareholder approval for a lot of the basic actions involving a company, which in other jurisdictions you would have to get the shareholders involved in. So if you are thinking about becoming a director of a BVI company, I think it's fair to say that there are a number of different areas and considerations that you should think about. I suppose the first one is actually very simple. It's like, how do I become director of BVI company? That is the simple part. A director must consent to act in writing. So before being appointed, the individual or corporate director will write to the entity effectively to confirm that they consent to act. For a new incorporation, it's actually the registered agent that appoints the first director. So having received their consent to act, the registered agent on incorporation of the company would arrange the appointment of the first director and then that would be confirmed in the registry of directors and then filed at the registry. So there's an obligation for the directors of BVI companies to be filed at the registry. The register is a private register. It's accessible by the company through its registered agent and by the authorities. So it's held at the Registrar of Corporate Affairs offices held electronically. So within six months of incorporation, the registered agent appoints the first director and within 21 days of that date of appointment, the register of directors needs to be filed with the registry. Thereafter, any changes to the directors or to their particulars need to be reported within 30 days. So just touching on particulars, what sort of information or personal information about someone who is a director of a BVI company will be included on the register? I, I accept that you know, somebody doing a public search at the registry won't be able to access the register of directors. But I think it's important for people to understand what information about themselves they they are submitting. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to your name, it is also your date of birth, your nationality, your residential address, and you may also nominate a service address as well. And then obviously the date of your appointment and if appropriate, the date of your resignation or removal. 
Right, so if we move on from directors on incorporation, subsequent directors can be appointed generally by the shareholders or in many circumstances, the existing board. They can quite often fill a vacancy or they can also appoint additional directors. There's usually provisions added into the M&A if, for example, the BVI company is going to be listed. Often you will see in those circumstances that any director who's been appointed by the board of directors is only in office until the next annual general meeting. And then the shareholders get an opportunity to confirm that appointment or perhaps appoint someone else in, in their place. One thing that I think is important just to flag is that we've talked about the fact that the person becoming a director needs to consent to act. That's a statutory requirement. And they also need to have been appointed correctly, whether it's by the registration or by perhaps a resolution of directors or resolution of shareholders. If it turns out that a director hasn't been correctly appointed, can that person still be liable for their acts and omissions as a director? Or could they stand behind and say, look, I haven't been appointed correctly and therefore, you know, sort of not, not my fault? Uh, well, no, they could still be liable. Their acts are still valid and liability is still possible. If you are a shadow director, you're acting as if you were properly appointed. So the same liability ensues. Yeah, I suppose the other question that comes up a lot in the context of offshore companies is whether or not I actually need to be resident or perhaps live or travel to the BVI in order to be a director of a BVI company. And I'm just going to tie into that question as well, because it's something that we didn't talk about at the beginning, is that it's worth noting that companies can also be directors of BVI companies. It's not just individuals. And the BVI is a jurisdiction in which having corporate directors is relatively commonplace. Oh, yes, definitely. So answering your questions, I think in the right order, a director does not have to be resident in the BVI. It's commonplace for, for directors to be outside. But with the introduction of the economic substance regime, there are, depending on the activity of the company, there are circumstances where it may be necessary for directors to make their decisions in the BVI, whether they're BVI resident or whether they travel there, for example. But it's very specific. The relevant activity categories of economic substance are available, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll link a page so that people can see our guide. The other question that would come up for me is what would happen if a person who was a director of a company can't attend every board meeting, they can't always sign written resolutions? Is there an ability to appoint alternate directors? And if so, how do we go about doing that? Alternate directors are absolutely possible and have been quite commonplace in the last year with all the travel restrictions that have gone on. To appoint an alternate, the director would nominate their alternate and that alternate director would have to consent to act. Once appointed, it would be recorded in the register, filed at the registry, and then they have been duly appointed and may act in place of the director should they not be able to attend the meeting. Or, or sign resolutions. So they're, yes, they're or sign, sign resolutions on sign their behalf, resolution. yes. Yeah. The other question I get asked quite a lot in the context of establishing BVI companies as single or multiple asset holding companies for high net worth individuals 
is what happens if the same individual is going to be appointed as the sole shareholder of the company, but also the sole director? Because that brings into question what might happen if that person dies or is unable, becomes incapacitated while in office. I had a really interesting chat during our last podcast series with Matthew Housen in our private client department about making sure that if you are a shareholder of a BVI company, you've at least considered whether or not having a BVI will would be the right way forward. I'm wondering whether this question about sole directors and sole shareholders whether there's a a solution that might work for that kind of situation as well. The BVI law does provide for reserve directors. So a reserve director, again, needs to be properly appointed so they consent and it needs to be recorded in the register. The reserve director automatically becomes director upon the death or incapacitation of the sole director, sole shareholder. So in that situation, when the director dies, they can be assured that the company will carry on and will be able to make decisions going forward. There's co- continuity of decision making is, exactly. is, is absolutely key. And I think in this world of requirements for, for filings and compliance and that sort of thing, and it's really important because what could happen is if there wasn't a continuity of directorship for the BVI company, The company could perhaps fall out of good standing because there is no one to instruct the registered agent to pay fees at the registry and all sorts of other unhelpful circumstances could ensue. Mm. A company without a director is liable for strike off. So exactly. So strike off and liquidations was a was a subject of our previous podcast series. And I think we're going to talk a bit more about strike off in another podcast going forward just to help people understand a little bit more about the implications of of strike off which is a whole other lovely area so i'm a director i've been validly appointed i've enjoyed being a director but the time has come for me to move on i'm assuming i'm able to resign from a company if i wish to do so is that a fairly easy process are there filings to be made what needs to be done Yes, it is an easy process to resign as a director. In practice, you would write a letter to the entity to tender your resignation. And on receipt of that letter, the remainder of the board would note your resignation and arrange for the register of directors to be updated. And then in turn, the registrar would need to be informed of the changes to the register. So the entity must update the register at the registry within 30 days of the change. Thanks, Amy. The other area we should just mention is that directors of BVI companies may be able to be removed from office in various different circumstances. Now, this is where the areas of company law and employment law do overlap. If you are in a situation where you've been given notice of your potential removal from a company for cause or not for cause, with or without cause, We would recommend that you seek legal advice. You will also need to have a look at the terms of any service contract you've got to just make sure that you know what expectations are on you and what you should be doing. Ultimately, it's best to make sure that you get advice, be clear on the expectations on you so you are best placed to respond to any such notice. I think the other point that we should just mention, we talked about reserve directors. 
The position of a reserve director is slightly different. If you are a reserve director, you can resign from your position as a reserve director before you've even become a director of the company. But equally, the person who appointed the reserve director does have the power to revoke that appointment and perhaps appoint someone else if, if they wanted to do so. Again, resignation of a reserve director is something I assume needs to be filed as well at the registry within 30 days of the change. Yeah, that's right. Any changes to any director or any of their particulars requires an update within 30 days. So just something to bear in mind if you're planning to move house, you will need to remember to get the register updated. Absolutely. I think the other area that directors always think about is duties. And I think it's worth touching on them briefly during this conversation. It's a pretty wide reaching and complex area. But I think the takeaways from this conversation are really about the key duties. And the key ones are are really to act honestly and in good faith, seems obvious, but in what you as the director believes to be in the best interests of the company. Now, that's the company as a whole and not individual shareholders. It's worth noting there are certain circumstances in relation to joint venture vehicles that a director of a BVI company might be able to act in the interests of the shareholder appointing him in a very sort of limited specific situation. So I'm just flagging it, but it's not something that I think we need to discuss further on on this conversation. I think one point worth remembering is that the duties that are imposed on a person who is a director, whether that person is an individual or that person, in quotes, is a company, There are both objective and subjective elements. So there will be a sort of objective, what is reasonable, what should a reasonable, what should the reasonable man on the Clapham omnibus do in that situation? (laughs) Take me back to our law school days or (laughs) law degree days. That's a very long time ago. But equally, there are subjective elements and the subjective elements relate to that individual director or that corporate director and what they should know, given their experience, given their technical knowledge, given other aspects of their personality, I suppose, their, their person. A good thing to remember is that directors are entitled to seek and rely on advice from experts like ourselves, obviously, like lawyers, like accountants and like other and other advisors. And they are also entitled to take time to review the financial and other records of the company. So they're not expected to take decisions in a vacuum. They are actually expected to take their time, gather the information, take the advice that they might need in order to make proper and sensible and reasonable decisions in the circumstances that apply to them. Another important duty is the duty to act for a proper purpose and also not to agree to act or to allow the company to act in breach of the BVI Business Companies Act or the constitutional documents of the company. So there is a requirement on the directors of BVI company to have a knowledge of what this company is allowed to do, both under the company's legislation and under its own constitutional documents. So again, it's an obligation on the directors to gather information, 
make sure they are informed about what the company can and can't do. Then they've got all these duties. What happens if there's a breach? Might they be liable? Directors often say, look, I've been asked to do X, Y, and Z. What happens if I get it wrong? And I think we always have to answer that with a potentially yes. Part and parcel of being a director, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you do have obligations. But I think it should be remembered, though, that generally speaking, the directors won't be individually liable for a debt or an obligation or a default of the company itself, unless there is a specific liability on the directors that's been provided for in the legislation in relation to that act. The key one that probably springs to mind is in relation to the making of dividends and distributions and and that kind of thing. But that's something we can talk about in another podcast. I think distributions is always an interesting topic. What might happen to directors? Well, in some circumstances, a breach or a potential breach by a director or board of directors could be ratified by the shareholders. The board could go to the shareholders and say, look, this has happened. We should have sought your consent previously or we perhaps didn't strictly follow the procedure that's set out in the constitutional documents in relation to this particular decision and the the shareholders of the company can consider that and decide whether or not they are going to retroactively approve and ratify the decision that was taken by the shareholders. In some circumstances if the matter came before a court perhaps uh, in the context of an aggrieved shareholder or, or a third party who's chosen to bring an action against the company and perhaps join the directors to that action. It's worth noting that the BVI courts have a wide range of orders that they can choose from, including damages, specific performance that they could impose in the circumstances. That's really interesting. And I think we've covered the appointment process, how you become a director and and what you have to be, what you have to do and who you have to be when you are a director. I think the BVI is administratively quite simple compared to some regimes, but it is very important that directors do understand their obligations and don't miss any of them, quite frankly. Absolutely. And and I think we've talked enough about directors themselves today, but I think there is a whole nother conversation to be had about perhaps some of the other topics that really do affect directors. And the one that springs to mind is corporate governance. My favourite topic. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we're going to save that up for another podcast. So don't get me started today. Amy, thank you very much for joining me today and I look forward to having another conversation with you during our Practically Speaking podcast series. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks very much.